This is Show Up as a Leader, a show from People Forward Network, helping you maximize your positive impact on the world by becoming your best, fully authentic self. Get ready for a whirlwind conversation. You are just going to love my conversation with Vasavi Kumar. She is a self-expression and confidence coach. She is founder of The Real Rich Community, has a really great podcast called Being Human, and she is just the epitome of showing up authentically, of doing our inner work, all the messy stuff that goes with it, and just owning our stuff and owning who we are in this world and the gifts we have to bring. And oh my gosh, wait till you get to the end. And she talks about her goddess hour. You do not want to miss this conversation. Vasavi, I am so excited to talk to you. We are going to dive right in. What does it mean to show up as a leader? Oh, I love this question because I think we can go in so many different directions with this question. But, you know, for me personally, and I know for my clients that I work with inside of my camera confident accelerator, especially, and inside of my membership community, Real Rich, I'm thinking about all the human beings that I have the privilege and honor to work with. What it means for them and what it means for me to show up as a leader is to lead with our full self, lead from our most authentic selves, not the synthesized or the watered down or the synthetic version of ourselves, right? The parts of ourselves that feel safe to show. It's leading with our full selves. I always joke and say, I don't want to do anything if it's half-ass. I got to put my full ass into it, right? (laughs) Going up as a leader is like, I'm going to show you all of me so that you are inspired to let us see all of you. Because when I get to see all of you, I can fully help you then. And when I show you all of me, I can ignite those parts of yourself that maybe you've repressed, swept under the rug or ignored throughout your life, you know? And so that's what it means to show up as a leader, show up as your full, full self, all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. I love that so much. And we subscribe to the same thing. Do you find when you say that so many people, though, it's easier said than done and they might go, well, why would I want to do that? Because either they think it makes them appear weak, or it makes them less effective, or someone might take advantage of them, or it makes them extremely vulnerable. So what do you say to people of why that's important? So first of all, it is easier said than done. That's why we don't have a ton of leaders, or we have really crappy leaders out there. So it is not for everyone. And I want to say that because I'm not going to lie to you and say, everyone's a born leader. No, they're not. Because if you're not willing to show your full self, you're like half a leader. You're like a wannabe leader. Like, what are you leading people towards? Because here's the thing. If you are leading from a watered down version of yourself, what you're leading people towards is a watered down version of themselves. You can't take anyone to a place where you have yet to go yourself. So yeah, showing up fully as a leader is not for the faint of heart at all. And why would I, or why would anyone listening want to show up fully as a leader? Because it's freedom. It's freedom. Yeah, it, it, people may not like what they see. They may have criticisms as far as who you are and they may judge you. But I'll tell you this, what's the best feeling in the entire world, Rosie, is looking at myself in the mirror and actually respecting my reflection. So I would rather look at my reflection and respect the person looking back at me than show up in this watered down, canned version of myself and deep down hate myself. And I know what that feels like. So yeah, if I had a choice, I will gladly any day choose 
to show up fully as myself so I can respect myself at the end of the day. So let me ask you this. Let's just say if everybody within an organization actually showed up that way, showed up as a leader is the way you just described it. How do you think things would be different? I think we would connect on a deeper level. I think problems would be solved quicker or at least with more collaboration. We wouldn't feel as isolated within the company. We'd feel connected because we can't fully connect and partner with and build relationships with someone who is not showing their full selves with us because we're, we are energetic beings. First and foremost, we can sense when someone is hiding something. And I imagine that if everyone in our lives, including, you know, people that we work with just showed up as their full selves, there might be misunderstandings, but we'd be able to talk through it. We would be able to trust ourselves and the other person that what's being said is really what is real. And rather than all the overthinking and the analyzing, we would spend our energy solving issues, solving problems, moving towards a better future than picking each other apart, right? We'd, I feel like we'd all be on the same page. We may not all agree on the same thing, but we'd be more willing and open to solving whatever problem is coming to the surface. A hundred percent. And what that makes me think of is we always say that, you know, in the absence of data, our brains fill it in with stories. So if we have people that are not showing up authentically, or we have that spidey sense that the, Hey, something's off here, something's not authentic. Our brain's going to start filling it in. Like you said, with all kinds of drama, all kinds of story, all kinds of crap that just sucks the energy out of out of us. I want people to get a better sense of you and why I'm so excited that you're doing the work you're doing. So how did you come to embrace the power of owning, showing, and sharing your own humanity as a path to success and having a greater impact? So I want your listeners to know that it's like an everyday process. I'll, I'll never say I've arrived. I won't say that because then my ego, which I already have a very huge ego, will be like, oh yeah, we're done. We're better than everyone. We don't need to keep working on ourselves. You know, Every day I put myself in new situations. I do things to move my energy around and, and open up different parts of myself that maybe have been dormant. So I do this work every day. That's number one. And when I say do this work, do the work of really looking at my own narrative, my own stories. Where am I still playing small? Where am I still not allowing myself to be visible? Where am I not taking responsibility in my life? Of course, we want to fall back into victimhood, blame, shame, guilt tripping. The reason, I, th I mean, it all goes back to when I was a kid, right? I grew up in a first-generation Indian immigrant household where it is it, extremely chaotic. I had, a, I had a very passive father. I love my father very much. My mother was the more outspoken one. That's probably where I get it from. And I just wanted everyone to just talk about how they felt. My mom had a way of, she's really closed off. She has some serious trust issues from her own childhood. And so a lot of the stuff that I saw growing up was my mom just in defensive mode all the time. It was very hard for my mother to just be vulnerable about how she felt. I could sense that she was in a lot of pain, but she just didn't know how to just say how she felt. And my father's a very quiet man and he's not the type to probe and be like, honey, what's wrong? Talk to me. He's not like that. He is like a silence is golden type of mentality. So my mother was this woman who just wanted to be heard. So from a very young age, probably around seven or eight years old, I used to be my parents' therapist. I mean, it's not very healthy, you know, I'm, this is not anything that any child should. I mean, I, I was definitely parentified as a child, but I spent a lot of my childhood mediating my parents and saying to them, just say how you feel out loud. Just 
what's really going on. Like share the pain, talk it out loud. And I truly believe that anything can be resolved when we are willing to bear our freaking souls. But both people have to be willing to bear their souls. Can't be one person doing all the work. So that just started from a young age. I just felt like if, if people were just more honest with how they felt, we could all just be happier. Can we just have fun and enjoy life? That's why we're here on this earth, to enjoy our existence and then to pass that energy on to other people who may be struggling. You know, that's how I look at life. And so on a professional front, I chose career paths. Like I have my master's in special ed and I have a master's in social work. I always wanted to help people work through their own pain and whatever was holding them back so that they could be more confidently self-expressed. And then in my own personal life, I've overcome addiction. I've been through divorce, you know, mental health issues that I live with every single day. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was 19. I've had to delve inwards. I could have chosen not to, but I think when you're given enough painful situations in your life, you can either turn your cheek the other way or you can say, okay, let's do this. Let's let's go within. And I've always been someone who's been courageous to look at myself, no matter how painful it was, because I knew on the other side of that, like I knew that the truth would set me free. And I do feel free in who I am. And there's always more that I'm learning. But as far as camera confidence, because right now what I really love working with leaders is to really look at thought leaders, experts, podcast hosts, people who are just in the business and who have made it their mission to share themselves with others. It's like, you know, where are you? Where are you hiding? What is the thing you're not saying? How are you still watering your message down? I always look to see what is the thing that you're trying to say, but you're, you spend a lot of time packaging it. The packaged version may be good for the people who, who can't handle the truth, but like the people who really need to hear you need the unfiltered you. Oh my God, I just went to uh, a few good men. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> But he saw Jack Nicholson's character so badly wanted to just say it all, right? Yeah, not, and it just makes life for you as the deliverer of the message. It gives you such freedom to just be yourself. And then you connect with your people, right? You're not for everybody. And I say that to the women and the men inside of my accelerator program. I go, you are not for everyone. You have to be okay with that. I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you want to be for everyone, you're going to have to abandon yourself, period. That's it. I love that you're teaching people that because one of the things I always say in the dare to lead work I do and others is we have to be really clear about whose opinions actually matter. And so often we end up actually neglecting and tripping over and really being crappy to some of the people who are the closest to us who actually matter because we are jockeying or volleying for the approval of the cheap seats. And these are the people that don't even know us. And it's so crazy, but we do it all the time. We're like, oh, some stranger or some random person might think less of me. And the people who matter the most are like getting the worst of us. There are people out there who are missing out on the real on the real you, what you really have to say. So I would say another turning point in my life was I was a TV show host here in Austin, Texas on a morning show. And it's the most fake happy I've ever been in my life. <laughs> I swear none of those people are real. I'm like, they seriously, that has to be so generated. That can't be authentic. Well, that's why they got a drink at 7am. But it was me just being really, really fake happy. It, was, it just felt very out of alignment. But I chose to take that path of being a TV host because I was going through a very dark period in my life and I thought this would be my ticket out. Oh, I'm going to get this job. It's going to be great. Rather than just doing the internal work that I needed to do at that time. This was three years ago. 
Anyway, long story short, I was living one way on camera and I was lying about my sobriety and stuff off camera. And so I was leading a double life. And that started to affect my performance on television. I, I, I never knew I had like a stuttering problem or a speech problem, but because I was living out of alignment, my performance was was really, really affected on live television. And honestly, the details of it don't matter. What matters is now where I'm at is what you see is what you get. I am literally the same person that you see on camera and off camera. And so my speech is not affected because I'm back in alignment. And so when I teach my philosophy, when I work with thought leaders and experts and hosts and stuff on their own camera confidence is camera confidence is not about lighting hair or makeup. Yes. Lighting is great. I have makeup on right now. My hair looks pretty good. I'm feeling 10 out of 10, right? That's great. But what really makes you camera confident and what's going to make you magnetic and connect with your audience is you building that confidence and you being in integrity with yourself when the cameras aren't rolling. Because I always picture like if my clients could see me right now behind closed doors, would they be proud of me? Like I always like think to myself, would I be proud of people watching me with who I am behind closed doors? And the answer is honestly, yes, I have nothing to hide. And so that's really a lot of the work that I do. Yes, we go a lot into content creation and structure and consistency, productivity, and all the strategy of building a business and an online business and marketing your thought leadership and your expertise. But it's also what are you doing and who are you being when the cameras aren't rolling? Because being confident on camera is a byproduct of all the confidence building and self-esteem building and respect building that you're doing when nobody's watching. You know, it makes me think of, I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Keegan and Lisa Leahy uh, out of Harvard, but they always talk about that organizations are spending a lot of money for a second job none of us were hired for, which is putting on masks, trying to look good, trying to save face, trying to hide our inadequacies. And it's so exhausting. So how do you, because I 100% agree with you that we have to learn how to get clear about who we are and knowing who are we when we're at our best and who are we when we're getting pulled out of alignment so we can course correct. Like, cause I love it. You say it's a daily practice because I know who I am when I'm at my best. And I also know when I'm not at my best, that person is a independent person on overdrive, hyper productive, pain in the ass, get shit done. Quite frankly, she's a, she's a bitch. Right. And I don't want to be around her. Same. Yeah. Well, good. high five sister. Right. I feel your pain. But it's like you have to know the signs that you're starting to get pulled right there and own that. Oh, yeah, that's a version of me. I'm not too proud of and get back in alignment. And it's I always call it like a dance. So how do you help people accept the good, bad and ugly of themselves, that self-acceptance? Right. So that they can find out who they authentically are and own those parts and really build that confidence my philosophy is to say it out loud. Say it out loud. Stop hiding it. Stop masking it because everyone can fucking see you. You can think that you're hiding as much as you want, but everyone can see you. And guess what? Even if you have people fooled, let's just say you're really good at wearing a mask, you can see you. So like, it's not even about everyone can see you and you're going to be found out. Do you want to live with that? I'm always listening to the vibration of what you're saying. I'm not just listening to your words, blah, 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 blah. Like, yes, words matter. But what is the energy that's fueling those words? What is the vibration of those words, right? Because I can say, for example, okay, ask me how I'm doing. Moss, how are you doing? I'm good. You can tell that I'm not good. I'm saying I'm good. But what I'm really saying is, please pay attention to me and ask me how I'm doing because I'm not doing well. So I'm always paying attention to the vibration and the energy of what you're saying. And so for me, it's less talk. Less theory, more action. 
I love that you're teaching people to do that because what I would say is even in some of the organizations that we've worked when the leaders shift their narrative that vulnerability is a weakness and they start to let their human side show what they've been finding, which the research supports is it's the natural human response is empathy and connection and curiosity. It's very rarely it's judgment. And I would say like from a workplace standpoint, I mean, I would love to give your thoughts on this, but I know that uh, one of the things that Brene Brown, we always talk about in the Dare to Lead curriculum is that there are different levels of vulnerability. And what she always says, we have to look at our intent behind sharing. What's the intent? Like, is it to further the work? Is it to further connection? Or is it because we're actually wanting sympathy? If we're oversharing, she's like, it's not vulnerability. That's oversharing. But sharing with boundaries and clear intent is courageous. And so when you are helping people find their authentic voice, how do you help them have that discernment between when is it courageous versus it's actually something completely opposite, which is oversharing, looking for sympathy, looking for false connection? That's beautiful. Well, I've done both. I've done the oversharing. Nine years ago, I was in a, I was interviewed for a Wall Street Journal article about people who overshare. And I was an oversharer back in the day. And I was, and I did that because all I wanted was very deep connection. And so I thought the more I tell you, the more I let you in, the more connected we'll be. But that just left me feeling hungover, right? Like a vulnerability hangover. I don't do that anymore. For me, I had to learn to sit with myself and give, pay myself the attention that I needed so that I wasn't expecting everyone to be my therapist, my mother, and my father. But what you said about intention and discernment, it's exactly those two things. Like just asking yourself and being honest with yourself about like, what is the intent in sharing this? Am I, am I looking to do this because I want to connect deeper? Have I been putting on a front with others? And this is me allowing people in a little bit deeper in, and in, into the soul of who I am as a way to connect. And that's something that you have to ask for yourself. I have a client right now, actually, she's thinking about sharing a personal event that she's went through and something that she has, it's taken her probably 20 years to overcome this thing that she went through. And she's afraid to share it because of what all of her family members will think. And so we talked about it actually today, a few hours ago, when I said to her, like long-term vision, who are you being, right? Like, why did God put you on this earth, right? Like she goes, you know, I've been through so much as it relates to this specific issue that she went through. It was, um, it was an eating disorder that she went through and then she healed herself through. And she said, I know that so many women out there are shaming themselves for their body and what they look like. She goes, and I just want women to know that like they can heal through it and I can show them because I've been through it. and I go, okay, great. So it's like just getting really clear on like, why am I sharing this? Are you just trying to like air your dirty laundry because you don't want to sit with your own stuff? And, and here's how I know, here's how I know if someone's ready to share something. Here's how I know if I'm ready to share something. I have zero charge around it, zero energetic charge, right? Like if you ask me what I ate yesterday, I honestly, oh, I had a, I had Italian food. I had a tagliatelle con fungi. Now I don't, I don't have a lot of energy around it. Although it was, it was an excellent meal. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's like, if you ask me, I'm like, yeah, I had pasta. It was really good. So I always look to see like, if I am sharing something with someone, what's the charge that I have around it? I want to share it from a very neutral place. Like this happened in my life and it happened for me and I've learned some lessons from it and I want to share it. The other way of sharing is like, I just shared about this the other day on my stories on Instagram, where I was like, 
wow, you know, I've been taking a lot of movement classes. I've been taking a lot of hip hop dance classes. I've been working with the sensuality coach. And I shared on my stories, I'm realizing for the first time really in 39 years that as an Indian woman, I am sexually repressed. Like I was just kind of sharing like what I'm noticing. I didn't need anything from my audience. I was sharing it just to be like, wow, I'm noticing this right now about myself. Does anyone else feel this way? It was more like a dialogue rather than I'm feeling this way. And I, I could just, you could just tell how old you are when you're sharing it. I always ask like, what is my age when I'm sharing this story? Oh yeah. Am I sharing it from my adult self or am I sharing it from my 10 year old self who needs validation and love and acceptance? And yeah, I just love that you're doing that because I, I think you're right. Like when you can process something and you can speak to it from a place of it being an object versus you being subject to it, right? When you can speak to it as an adult versus your hijacked, whatever version of you that it was, I think that that's powerful. And the other thing that I, that as you were talking, that came up for me is I always think about, for me, it's always, do I think that this will help normalize the human experience? Because so many other people will go, oh, I thought it was just me or I feel alone. And so when I know for me, the filter I use for sharing, whether it's a blog or even some of the questions we're going to transition to here is, does it help somebody feel more quote unquote normal? And that there's lessons that we can learn from each other to navigate this crazy human experience. So this gets me into speaking of showing the humanity and normalizing it. What I would love to know from you, Vasavi, is what is a self-limiting story that you still tell yourself that still creeps up and how do you move beyond it when it shows up so that you can still show up as a leader? It's a great question. I actually just came across this story yesterday. So I, I also had a dream as a child to be an actor and a comedian. It's just something that naturally came to me, right? So I'm in acting classes. I was just in my first short film I filmed yesterday. It was so much fun. And I shared all the behind the scenes on my Instagram stories. And a limiting belief that I that came up yesterday was, oh my God, this is too much of me. And I'm not helping others. Like, why would someone just want to see me living my life and me doing all these things? I'm no good to others if I'm not helping them. Why would someone want to continue to learn from me or be in my space or in my orbit if if I'm not actually helping them? I'm only valuable when I'm helping you. That's basically what I've... And so I felt like indulgent, self-indulgent, sharing all these behind the scenes of me being on set and filming. And like so many people loved it but I felt like it was too much of me. But the way I overcome it is I do it anyway. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I do it anyway. I do it anyway, yeah. But I noticed it creep up yesterday for sure, 1,000%. What is an impactful way? I mean, I know there's many, but what's one impactful way that you are showing up as a leader these days, both in your personal life and professional life? I have usually operated in a very one-dimensional kind of way, right? Like I have lots of hobbies and I don't, I never really used to showcase that. So how I'm showing up as a leader is I am talking more about my own inner work. Like I'm talking about the work that I'm doing to free myself sexually and sexual repression as an Indian woman. I'm talking about the inner work as I'm going through it. So what I've done in the past is I'll heal through something or I'll work through something and then I'll share it in a very packaged way. Like, oh, I learned all the lessons. You don't have to be with my mess, but now I'm sharing the process of me going through the inner work as I'm going through it. I 
think that one that is hugely helpful and I think that's hugely courageous. One of we have these rehumanizing principles and one of them we talk about is be in the middle of the mess. And that's it ends for exactly what you're talking about. So many of us wait until we've gotten to whatever quote unquote the other side is to share versus there is value when we're in the middle of something. Again, you go, what's our intent for sharing? And if it's, you know what, because I'm normalizing it for others or people can learn from this or they can see me as a real human or I'm, I'm being authentic or whatever it is, but there is huge value in saying, you know, I, I am struggling with this too. And here's what I'm learning along the way, because someone else might be at that very same point of their journey and they can use that now versus, oh yeah, after the fact. All right. Are you ready for some quick questions? I love when hosts do this. So yes, I love this. Fill in the blank. Living authentically is? Courageous. When the world is presenting an opening, but you don't feel like showing up as a leader, what do you do? Show up anyway. Something people would be surprised to know about you. I'm extremely sensitive. Your favorite go-to movie? Shawshank Redemption. Your go-to song? It's so funny. I don't know why. John Mayer, he did like a cover of Free Fallen. You got to look it up. It's so good. What's something, and I say something lightly because it doesn't have to be a thing. What's something you can't live without? The ability to connect with others on video. (laughs) I love, I FaceTime like at least two, three people I love a day. Like I need that every day. There are days where I don't have it, but I need that. Like I love that face-to-face connection. I do. What's something in your ordinary daily life that makes your heart happy? I have beautiful coffee mugs. They all have words on them. I have my Mr. Coffee Maker and I set it for 638 every morning. I have the best coffee creamer, the best mug. Makes me so happy. And I <laughs> right now it's getting chilly. I sit in this yellow chair that I'm looking at right now. I read my uh, one little like daily intention of the day. It's from the book, The Language of Letting Go by Melody Beattie. And I just sit in silence and I just bask. Like I need to do that. I need like I block out off six to 7 a.m. is goddess hour and it's just time for myself. It's just for me. Oh my God, I love that goddess hour. Oh my God, that is the best. Literally look at my calendar every day is six to seven goddess hour. That is the best. And what are you grateful for right now? My willingness to like just continue to do the work. I'm grateful for all the mentors that I have. I have some really great mentors in my life who are pushing me, who are really challenging the crap out of me and triggering me and making me see like where I'm still falling short where I'm still playing small, where I'm still being an authentic. And I'm like grateful to have people in my life that breathe possibility into who I am. And I'm grateful for myself to, to I'm, I'm, I'm tough enough to deal with it. Like I, I can handle it. I'm just, I'm great. I'm grateful for who I've become. And I'm grateful for the people in my life in this season of my life who are supporting me to get to the next level. So last question, if you could challenge leaders everywhere, to practice this one behavior that would create more human workplaces and equip everyone to show up as a leader, what would that be? Apologize when you're being an asshole. And when you're being an asshole, there's no reason to be abrupt. There's no reason to be cold. There's no reason to cut somebody off. We could always add a little bit more warmth to what we're saying. Like, I'm in the process of like trying to attract my dream partner. I'm not trying. I will. But my number one quality that I look for is it has the ability to apologize. Because like, If you told me, Rosie, hey, Vasvi, it hurt me when you said this, 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 whatever, in this way. It takes so much work for me to be like, well, I didn't mean to do that. That's not what I was trying to say. Blah, 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 fucking defend, defend, defend. If I just stopped for a second and asked myself, hmm, let me put myself in Rosie's shoes. 
Let me see what it would have felt like if I treated myself the way that I, you know, let me just see what she's trying to say. I could see why that would hurt her. You know what? I'm so sorry. That wasn't my intent. Like, that's all it takes. Intent and impact are two different things. No one thinks you're a bad person. You don't have to defend yourself, but it's whatever you did still had an impact. I just feel like saying, saying just apologizing, but like really saying sorry, not just like, oh yeah, okay, I'm, I'm just going to shut this person up. I, I think it would soften up the workplace a lot more and we'd get more done. Like we'd get more done. We'd solve problems more if we just had a little humility, put aside our pride and just apologized. I would add to that, that not just apologize, it has to be authentic, which is the the word of the day here, but also then cleaning it up, right? Like, oh, it depends on what it is, but it's not just, oh, I'm sorry. It's, and then here's what I'm going to do to make that right. It's sorry and taking ownership and then making it right, whatever that is. I got to say that there's this uh, meme that, that I always reference on Instagram. It says the best apology is changed behavior. What are you going to do to not repeat that mistake. You know, when I got sober the second time, that was my ultimate apology to my family. It was, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry for the chaos and the drama and, and putting you guys through the selfish ways of an addict, you know? And I said, I'm going to make it right. And I did, I got sober and I stayed sober. That was my way of saying, sorry, <laughs> got sober. That's awesome. Well, Vasavi, just thank you for the amazing conversation. Thank you for the work that you're doing to promote more authentic humanity and just keep rocking it. Thank you so much. It was so beautiful being here. I really appreciate this conversation and you. I'm Rosie Ward, and this is Show Up as a Leader. To learn more, head over to peopleforwardnetwork.com. And of course, hit that follow button.